All right, hey everybody, welcome to Valley Creek Church. I am so glad that you're here with us today and we wanna welcome all of our campuses wherever you might be, Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, watching somewhere online in the world. It's always good to welcome each other together and we are really glad that you are here and it's a great season here at Valley Creek Church and we've been in this series called Overwhelmed and we're going to wrap it up today and bring it to conclusion and next week to just give you a little teaser we're going to start a new sermon series called Seven. And I'm super excited about it. It's going to be very innovative. It's going to be fresh. And it's a series I really hope that you'll make it a priority to be here. Invite someone to come with you because I think God has something amazing in store for us in this next series. But we're going to bring Overwhelmed to, to a close today. And, and, and Overwhelmed is it's really an interesting series. About once a year, we do a series around this topic about being too busy and being overwhelmed and being stressed out. And it's amazing how every time we do it, it like touches a nerve and everyone comes out of the woodwork and comes to that series because it's like we're overwhelmed with everything in our lives. We can talk about the deep mysteries of the kingdom of God. We can talk about your identity in Jesus. We can talk about the incredible experiences you get to have to encounter the presence of God. We can talk about your kingdom purpose, that you are a kingdom leader. And we're all kind of like, yeah. And then you say the word overwhelmed and it's like, oh my goodness, that's my life. You're talking to me. Okay. Can I just say something? That's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad, but it's really true. There is something about this concept and this kind of series that touches a nerve within us because we are overwhelmingly busy and chronically unsatisfied. In fact, if you were here a few weeks ago, we did a survey, a church-wide survey of where we are in our spiritual growth journey. And one of the number one responses that came back in like all the different categories is, was that we're so busy, that we're busy with everything in our lives. And because we're so busy, it's this perfect storm. And it brings us to this place where we feel paralyzed and stressed. It's like no longer are we living our lives. Our lives start living us. Okay. But that is not the abundant life that Jesus has for you and me. And so what I want to do today is something a little bit different is, is we're going to wrap up this series by talking about the root issue of why we are always so overwhelmed. And so if you got a Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter one In Colossians chapter one. And, and my hope today is, is that man, that, that, that the Holy Spirit would minister to your soul. My hope is that today you leave encouraged and refreshed that you have an encounter with Jesus. Because you see, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's in prison and he's writing to the church at Coloss. He's trying to encourage them. He's trying to correct some inaccurate views they have, especially about Jesus. And starting in verse 15 through 20, and many people believe this was a first century church hymn. That this was a worship song in a sense that they would sing. And I don't know what it says in your Bible, but at the beginning of verse 15 in mine, it says the supremacy of Christ. So listen to these verses. It says he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
That's profound. And the question is, is, is that enough? Like if that was the extent of the sermon today, would that be enough? <laughs> no. <laughs> we have a partner who's, who's one of our partners in India, a friend of ours, that partners with our church and does amazing things over there. And he told me about a guy that's a pastor of an incredibly large church in India, thousands, tens of thousands of people. And he said that when they get together for the worship gatherings, he says the pastor gets up and he opens up the Bible and he finds a large chunk of scripture and he reads them, the, the scriptures, just as it is. And he reads it all to them. And then when he finishes, he looks at him and he says, this is the word of God. If you believe this and if you do this, you will be blessed. Closes his Bible and walks off the platform <laughs> to see you next week. I wonder sometimes how that would go. This is the word of the Lord. If you believe it and you receive it, you will be blessed. Have a great week. Is that enough? Let me read it to you from the message translation. Same thing, just message translation, a different version. Just listen. We look at this son, Jesus, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son, Jesus, and see God's original purpose in everything he created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came to existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like, he does, like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy is Jesus, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fitted together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that he poured down from the cross. So again... The question is, is that enough? Because that is overwhelming. You see, the root problem with all of us, me, is, is that we are underwhelmed by Jesus, so we are overwhelmed with life. That's the root issue. We are overwhelmed with everything all the time, and the root problem is not your circumstances, your situations, your relationships, your finances. The root problem is, is we are underwhelmed with Jesus, so we are overwhelmed with life. If you have an inaccurate view of Jesus, you will always have an inaccurate view of life. If you are underwhelmed with Jesus, I promise you, you're sitting here today and you're overwhelmed with your situations and circumstances and relationships and you name it. That's just the reality. If you're underwhelmed with Jesus, you will always be overwhelmed with life. That is a truth you can take to the bank. You really don't need anything else more than that because that's the root cause for all of us. I mean, listen to these verses, Mark 7, 37. It says, people were overwhelmed with amazement. Talking about Jesus, he has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. These are people with demons. These are people with broken families. These are people with sickness. These are people that need provision and they're overwhelmed with the greatness of Jesus. Or how about Mark 9, 15? It says, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. My question is, is, is would that describe you? Are you in awe? Are you in wonder? Are you wowed 
by Jesus. Because if the answer is no, I can already tell you that's why you're overwhelmed in your life. Because if you would be overwhelmed with Jesus, you wouldn't be overwhelmed with the things around you. And the longer that I've done this and walked with Jesus in my own life, I've really come to believe that there's two things you really need. You need a high view of Jesus and you need to learn how to hear the voice of the spirit and everything else will take care of itself. If you have a high view of Jesus, if you see him and believe that he is who the Bible says that he is, you will be just fine in most of all situations in your life. And the ones that you're not in, you'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and he'll lead you through whatever seems fuzzy, cloudy, confusing, or disorganized. I mean, if I'm totally honest with you, there's these messages sometimes, sometimes I preach them and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be really good for you. I get up here, I think it's gonna be good for you. I hope you get this today. Come on, get this. And then there's messages I preach. I'm like, this is going to be good for me today. I hope I get this. Because if I'm honest with you, I'm embarrassed by how often I get overwhelmed in my life. Why am I overwhelmed with that situation? Why am I overwhelmed with that circumstance? Why am I overwhelmed with those people? I'm overwhelmed because I've become underwhelmed with Jesus. Because something about his greatness and his supremacy is no longer the focus and the and the positioning of my heart. In, in fact, if you read these verses, what I love is there's three main things that really pop, pop out to us. And I just want to show you that out of these verses because they're amazing. First thing is just this, is that Jesus is the creator, okay? Jesus is the creator. Listen to verse 15 and 16 again. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation. He's here to represent who God is to us. The firstborn over all creation, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Jesus is the creator. He created everything, including you. And the creator is always greater than his creation. And the creator always has authority over his creation. I mean, do you remember the story of the disciples when uh, they, they, with Jesus, feed the 5,000 people? I mean, it's a, it's a familiar story in the gospels and it's really simple. The disciples, they've had this great ministry run. They've done all these things and they're exhausted. And so Jesus looks at him and says, hey guys, come away with me by yourself. Like you need some rest. So they get in the boat and they go across the lake, but they get to the other side and the crowd sees Jesus and they come and this massive crowd shows up and it says, Jesus has compassion on them. <laughs> the disciples were annoyed. Jesus was full of compassion. And so Jesus stands up and he begins to preach and he teaches all day long. It's one of the, like the greatest sermons ever. I mean, it's just a great day for Jesus and the crowd. The disciples are a little bit grumpy. They're over here. They're kind of wanting everyone to go away. They're not really listening to the teaching. They're hungry. They're tired. They're a little bit irritable. And as the day goes by, you can picture the 12. They're kind of having this discussion like, man, we got to tell Jesus to get rid of these people. Like, come on, man, we were supposed to be here to rest. So you, you guys can watch them all like, okay, well, who's going to go tell Jesus that that's the idea? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. You know, that's like the only way I can figure out how they do it. And I'm sure Bartholomew lost because he loses everything, you know? And so he, he probably lost. And so he's got to walk up to Jesus and be like, um, Jesus, yeah, Peter had a really good idea that, <laughs> that you should send everyone away. Now listen what happens, Mark 6. Got you, Peter. That's what Bartholomew was thinking. By this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Like, this is a good idea, Jesus. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. 
They said that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? In other words, they're overwhelmed by the need that's in front of them. They're underwhelmed by Jesus, so they're overwhelmed by the need in front of them. And so what does Jesus say? What do you have? Five loaves, two fish? That's plenty for the creator. He says, now bring it to me. He takes it, blesses it, multiplies it. They go feed everyone. Twelve basketfuls left over. And it's a great reminder that they were underwhelmed by Jesus, so they were overwhelmed with the need in front of them. What do you need in your life today? Because he is the creator and he is the provider. And if he could create you and he could create this world and he could create everything in it, I think he can create whatever it is that you need, even if it's out of nothing. But if you're underwhelmed by Jesus, you will be overwhelmed with that need in your life. Maybe you need provision, finances, relationships, hope, freedom. I don't know. I know this, though. Jesus is the creator and he creates all things. Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He will provide what you need from his glorious riches. You know what his glorious riches is? It's not a bank account piled away somewhere. It's himself. He gives you of himself that which you need because he is the creator and he can satisfy all that you have. We must be overwhelmed with this truth that Jesus is the creator. The second thing is this, Jesus is the sustainer. Look at verse 17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Not only does he create it, he sustains it. He's created the world and the heavens and and all the spiritual realm and you and me and he holds it together. I mean, do you remember the story when Jesus gets in the boat with the disciples and and he says, let's go to the other side. And he gets in the boat and Jesus falls asleep and a big storm comes up and they all start to panic, right? You remember that story? Mark chapter four says, Jesus was in the stern, giant storm. They think the boat's gonna sink, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Why are you overwhelmed right now? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Catch it. They were underwhelmed by Jesus. So they were overwhelmed with the chaos happening around them. They were underwhelmed by Jesus. You say, how do you know they're underwhelmed? They call him teacher. It's the extent of who they think he is. Hey, teacher, we're all gonna die, don't you care? And then what do they say at the end? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In other words, Jesus just blew their box out of the water of what they thought he was all about. So that means they were underwhelmed with Jesus, so they were overwhelmed with the chaos around them. Okay, listen, he's the sustainer of your life. They didn't have to freak out because he was holding them together while he was asleep in the back of the boat. And the same is true with you. If you're here today and you feel like your life is flying apart, your marriage and your finances and your friends and your, your calling and your purpose, you literally feel like everything is spinning apart. Can I just stop you for a moment and say he is the sustainer of all things, including you. You actually don't have the power or the authority to hold your life together. Only Jesus does. 
That's why Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Paraphrase, chill out. (laughs) He's holding it together. So what feels like is flying apart in your life? Jesus is the sustainer. Be overwhelmed by that, not the fact that it feels like it's falling apart. And not only is he the sustainer, he's the satisfier. Listen, most of us are so discontent with the things in our lives. We're discontent with our jobs and our relationships and our possessions and our finances and what we've done. And where we, we're discontent. Okay, can I just tell you, the reason we're discontent is not because of the stuff. We're discontent because we're discontent with Jesus. You will always be discontent with life when you are discontent with Jesus. If you are underwhelmed with Jesus, you will be underwhelmed with your life. If you have a low view of Jesus, you will have a low view of life. Psalm 16, 11, in his presence is fullness of joy. He not only sustains, he satisfies, even in the midst of the chaos. And then the third thing is, is that Jesus is the redeemer. Look at this, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that everything he might have the supremacy. In other words, if you can catch this real quick, Jesus was the first one to be born again. He was born of a woman, then he died on the cross and he rose again from the grave. He, in a sense, was born again. And now he invites us to put our faith in him and be born again, that we too might rise from the dead and be no longer defined by sin and brokenness and death, but now become part of the church of which he is the head and he is leading us to a glorious future where we are overwhelmed by him, not the things of the world. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That was all bonus. Verse 18, just so you know. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile himself, all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. In other words, Jesus redeems all things. He creates them. He sustains them. And the ones that we feel like are beyond repair, he redeems them and puts them back together and makes them even better than they were originally. I mean, do you remember the story of Lazarus? Lazarus, Mary and Martha, two sisters and a brother, and Jesus loves them, and and Lazarus gets sick, and Jesus is in another town, and they send word, they say, Jesus, the one you love is sick. They don't say the one we love, the one you love. They figured out circle one identity. The one you love. Lazarus is defined, not by his love for you, but by your love for him. The one you love is sick. And it says, when Jesus hears that, it says he stays where he was two more days. And he shows up a few days later and he rolls into town. Only now Lazarus has been dead for four days and everyone thinks it's over. Look at John 11. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, he's come into town, Lazarus has been dead for four days. When she reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Pause. She's underwhelmed by Jesus, so she's overwhelmed by the brokenness. She's underwhelmed by Jesus. She thinks Jesus could heal the sick. She doesn't think Jesus can raise the dead. She's underwhelmed. She has a low view of Jesus. So she has a chaotic view of the world around her. I am convinced that so many of us have this low view of Jesus. We think he can heal the sick. We don't believe he can raise the dead. We think he can get me safely to work on time, but we don't think he can actually like help me step into my kingdom destiny. And if you're underwhelmed by that, you will always be overwhelmed by what's happening around you. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. 
shows you that Jesus was a man and he wept. And we read that and we think, oh, Jesus wept. In fact, the next even verses, they even say, oh, look at how much he loved Lazarus. He's just so sad that Lazarus died. I don't think that's why he wept. You know why I think he wept? I think he wept because he knows how we're always so overwhelmed with life. He's looking at Mary, one of his best friends, and she's like devastated because she is underwhelmed with him, so she's overwhelmed with life. That's why I think he's weeping. And I think it's a prophetic weeping over us to say, hey, come on, I'm more than that. I don't heal the sick, I raise the dead. So what needs to be redeemed in your life? Because Jesus can re-anything. He can restore, redeem, renew, reconcile. He can put back together the most broken thing of all things. Jesus is the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer. And that is enough. I mean, listen to this out of Hebrews. Hebrews 1 says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, ready? And through whom he made the universe creator. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things, the sustainer by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He is the redeemer. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. And he is the redeemer. That is overwhelming. And until I am overwhelmed with that, I will always be overwhelmed with life. That's what I think Jesus is saying to you and me. I think he's saying, like, hey, am I enough? Of which only you can answer that question. And the, and the paradox with that question is it's not a one-time answer. It's a lifestyle. It matters what your answer to that question is every single day. Because every day the answer is no, I'm overwhelmed with what's happening around me. Any day that's yes, it doesn't matter if I'm in prison, if my marriage is blowing up, if I am sick and have cancer, if this or that or the other thing is happening, I won't be overwhelmed with that because I will be overwhelmed with his goodness in my life. In fact, that's why in Matthew 16, Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, hey, who, who do the people say that I am? They say, well, some say you're like John the Baptist. Some say you're like Elijah. Some say you're like Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And in other words, Jesus says, like, who, who do the people think I am? And they say, well, some, some of them think you're a good man. Some of them think you're kind of a religious guy. And, and some of them think you're like a prophet. In other words, they say, hey, Jesus, the people are underwhelmed by you. And that's why they're overwhelmed in life. And he says, okay, but who, who do you say that I am? And Peter looks back and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Lord, the creator, the sustainer, and the redeemer. And then what Jesus says is fascinating. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Peter, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. He says, blessed. The word blessed literally means like happy. He says, happy are you, Peter, because you are now overwhelmed by me. So you will no longer be overwhelmed by that. So how about you? Who is Jesus to you? Like today? Because you're not overwhelmed because of your circumstances or your situations or your brokenness. We're overwhelmed because we're underwhelmed by Jesus. And until his peace fills our heart, I will always be stressed by the chaos of the world around me. Does that make sense to you? Yes. And if you say, okay, but how do I do that? Like, how do I actually change? I don't know. You got to just position yourself. 
And, and I would tell you, it's a, I, this would be my three things for me. Like when I'm, when I'm underwhelmed with Jesus, here's what I got to pray. You literally just got to say like, okay, God, tell him your feelings. God, I'm overwhelmed with this situation. God, I'm overwhelmed with this circumstance. God, I'm overwhelmed by these people. God, I'm overwhelmed with this need. God, I'm overwhelmed by this brokenness. God, I'm overwhelmed. Like, God, I don't even want to get out of bed. God, I can't think straight. God, I don't want to do this one more day. God, I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, just, just tell him. Because when you're telling him, you're giving up control, you're surrendering, and you're full of humility. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Don't be overwhelmed. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And catch it. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. In other words, he says, if you start praying, you will become overwhelmed with Jesus. So you will no longer be overwhelmed with that stuff. That's what it means. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind and crush you. You will become overwhelmed with his greatness. So you won't be overwhelmed by that. Pray. Second thing I would say is for me, I got to do this too. Just praise. Like, like just worship God. Psalm 42, 11. In 11 verses, the psalmist says this exact verse. It's repeated three times in 11 verses. Why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Like, why are you overwhelmed? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist gets it. He is so overwhelmed with what's happening around him, but he knows the answer is to worship. And so he's fighting with himself and he's saying the only way out of this is to start worshiping because when I start worshiping God, I lift him above my situation and my circumstances and he becomes the creator, he becomes the sustainer, he becomes the redeemer and all of a sudden I become settled in his greatness and his goodness for me. And the truth is, is the less you feel like worshiping, the more you have to worship. Listen, on the days that you walk in, you're like, man, I'm ready to worship Jesus today. Awesome. That's like bonus fruit. <laughs> worship is usually not when you want to do it. Worship is usually when you don't want to do it. But that means you need to do it because you're starting to become underwhelmed by his goodness and overwhelmed by the brokenness around you. And the last thing is just proclaim. Sometimes you just got to proclaim the greatness of God over the brokenness of your life. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Deuteronomy 32, 3, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. In other words, sometimes you need to just speak the simplicity of Jesus over the complexity of your life. Speak the simplicity of Jesus over the complexity of your life. It's crazy. It's chaotic. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. We want all these quick answers. Fix my marriage. Get, fix my finances. Get rid of my boss. Give me a nice boss. You know, like all that stuff. Like that's, that's what we want. Okay, but that's not how it works. Speak the simplicity of Jesus over the complexity of your life. Jesus, today I declare that you are the creator, the sustainer, and the redeemer. You're going to give me what I need. You're going to hold me together when it feels like it's coming apart at the seams, and you're going to put back together everything that the world has broken. Okay? So then the question is, is do you spend more time talking about your problems or talking about your God? Because that determines if you're underwhelmed or overwhelmed. Listen to me. Tell God your feelings and then tell your feelings about your God. Tell God your feelings, exactly how you feel in the moment. And then when you're done, start telling your feelings about your God. 
Hey, feelings, he creates, he sustains, he redeems. So it's time to get in alignment with truth and break off the agreement with darkness. If you are underwhelmed by Jesus, you will always be overwhelmed in life. On the seasons and the times when we do this series and you come in and you're like, I don't even need this series. That's good news. Because that means you're overwhelmed with Jesus. Because it doesn't mean your life is perfect because none of us are. It just means you're overwhelmed by him instead of that. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion together. Because this is, man, this is a, so our guys are going to come forward because this is a beautiful communion passage and moment for us. And so as they start passing it out, this is for anyone and everyone who's put their faith in Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never done that, man, today is your day. Today is your day to say, I believe Jesus created me. He's been sustaining me. And today I'm going to let him redeem me. I'm going to let him make peace in my heart with God because he died on the cross and poured out his blood that I might live. And so when you reach out and take a hold of that, you're by faith grabbing the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus to say, this is what he has done for me. He is my creator. He is my sustainer. And he is my redeemer. In fact, Ephesians 1 says, for this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, whatever measure of faith you have today, it may be great, it may be small. And your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the glorious inheritance in the saints. In other words, Paul prays and he says, hey, I pray that you would move forward in being overwhelmed with Jesus so you won't be overwhelmed with this world. That's what I've been praying for you all week. And that's what I've been praying for me all week. Because when we lose sight of Jesus, we lose sight of everything else. I've talked to more people in just the last few weeks that have been incredibly overwhelmed by real pain, real brokenness, real circumstances and situations that are not easy to resolve. And yet in the midst of all of that, The simplicity of Jesus calls to us and says, hey, I know it's hard. I know you're hurting, but I'm right here. I'm here to create and I'm here to sustain. And I am here to redeem. You don't always have to understand it and you don't always have to like the timeline. But you're always invited to lean in to his goodness. Just like Jesus sent the disciples in that boat with him into that storm, sometimes God leads us into the storm so he can show us more of himself. Because it was in that storm, in their 
being underwhelmed by him and thinking he was a teacher, he got to show them the greatness of Jesus. In Matthew 26, at the end of his life, when Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's about to go to the cross, it's fascinating, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I share that verse with you because what I want you to understand is when Jesus was going to the cross, he was overwhelmed with the brokenness of this world, so you don't have to be. He was overwhelmed with every storm, with every brokenness, with every sickness, with every relational split, with every lack and need and pain in all of human history in that moment was put on him. He was overwhelmed by the brokenness so you could be overwhelmed by his goodness. You don't have to be overwhelmed anymore. You see, on the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed after he had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, take time to be overwhelmed by me so you won't be overwhelmed by that. So can we choose to receive his provision and his grace together? And in the same way, after the supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant. My blood poured out for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. In other words, when you receive this from me, be overwhelmed by my forgiveness and my healing. That you don't have to be overwhelmed by the chaos and the brokenness around you. Can you maybe by faith lean in just a little more? And as we take this together, Say the blood of the creator, the sustainer, and the redeemer was poured out that I might be free. Let's receive that by faith together. So Jesus, today we lift you high in our lives. We choose to believe that you are who you say you are, that you have done what you said you have done, and that you have moved how you said you would move. Today, we receive the goodness and the grace of Jesus. We choose to be overwhelmed by your love and your grace and not the brokenness of our pain. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.